G'day tankers, Joel here, principal advisor. Yeah, Arnie, tax professional. Vin McHugh here, real estate agent. And that voice you hear is Vin from EView Utopian Group Residential Real Estate Agency. So we've got Vin here talking all things property, just following on from our property segments the last few weeks. Uh, We're covering off on a bunch of different tips for our listeners out there in terms of buying and selling and how best to work and negotiate when you're buying and selling and how to prepare your home. Yeah, and we've got a few uh, news items just touching on. We've got a few 50-50, watch your choice, either or, uh, tidbits and um, bit a bit of good Q&A. So you can get Money in the Tank at YouTube, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Money in the Tank. So enjoy this week's episode, guys. Yeah, and drop a like, subscribe or a comment. Thanks, thanks tankers. All right, welcome back, listeners. Episode 14 of Money in the Tank. Welcome back, tankers. Joel Seach here, Principal Advisor. Yeah, Arnie, Tax Professional. And we've got a special guest today following the real estate theme. Let's hear it for Vinny. Hi, Vin McHugh here from Utopian Residential. Here we go. Utopian Res, real estate. So, uh, Vinny, we thought we'd round off the real estate uh, podcast here with uh, an agent on to talk all things uh, real estate in the resi sector, mainly in Victoria at the moment, and see how things are tracking and uh, how the market's ticking along for us. But importantly, uh, before we get into it, who do you support in AFL, Vin? <laughs> who do I support? Yeah. Uh, Carlton, unfortunately. Oh, well, that's not too bad. It's you a, know, it's been a, could be worse. Been, it could be a long You could risk. go for the Crows. You were, probably, <laughs> you were probably hoping the season got cancelled off COVID this weekend, hoping just to finish off. Well, you can't take a loss this weekend, so that's always good. But the, uh, on the on the downside, you can't see Collingwood lose. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. We are <laughs> we are taping this the night before lockdown, so to our listeners here in uh, Melbourne or Victoria, look after yourselves, and hopefully, uh, hopefully the footy games are still on tomorrow night. No crowds, but hopefully we're uh, we're still uh, able to play. Well, Joel and I are both D supporters, and I was pretty gutted that we lost um, to the Crows last week, and now I'm hoping for a bit of redemption against the Doggies, but now we've got this bloody COVID fiasco, so... So, then the games go ahead, but anyway, we thought we'd try and sneak uh, sneak this episode in so the tankers have something to listen to uh, over the weekend while we're uh, doing our two two hours a day of exercise, and... <laughs> <laughs> what else can we do? Getting vaccinated, and we can't even do that yet. Yeah. I don't know, that's all right. All right, so let's jump into Rivkin first anyway. Yeah, so we've got Rivkin here. So uh, Vinny's uh, new to the pod, so we've got... Uh uh, Rivkin's rules book here. So we're uh, we're landing on page one twenty nine, which is Renee's favourite Rivkinisms. So he's made up his own uh, saying there. So uh, we have um, oh sorry, I've done that one. So page one thirty one is done. Lucky I've ticked it off. All right, page one thirty two. Uh, I like people who accommodate me and never offer financial advice unless asked. Okay, that's a strange one, yeah. Who would be offering, I mean, I know this is a while back in the day, but he was one of our most successful investors. Who would have been offering him financial advice? I don't know, yeah. Random. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one. I guess, uh, what are they, what's the old saying? If you start getting stock tips from the taxi driver, it's a good time to sell. Is that, is that the yeah, old yeah, saying? Yeah, just, uh, just be mindful of that. But uh, anyway, we only ever give general advice on this podcast anyway. So yeah. for any personal advice, always seek uh, personal uh, guidance. Yep, general in nature. So we've got a little bit of news this week before we jump into the interview with Vin. So I just wanted to quickly touch on the fact that there was news about Michael Burry's uh, 13F filing was released. And this is a statement that's delayed. It's lagged, but it shows positions that they've taken. And he's taken a pretty big um, put position on Tesla. So we don't know what the strike price or expiration date is for those puts. But he did say on Twitter in November last year that he was initiating a short position. 
And um, as of the date when they released the 13F, I think the notional value of those puts was half a billion dollars. So substantial. Big money. Big money. And a short position or a put position for the listeners is when he's expecting or he's, he's betting on that Tesla stock will come down. Yeah, so that's why I was saying we don't know the strike or the expiration, but it's likely that he's chosen probably a long enough expiration and a range of strike prices. And if we go back to... November last year, I don't know what Tesla was trading at, but it was like 800 or something, and now it's around 600. So if you can, you can imagine that Barry's probably picked a few prices on the way down, and I reckon he's probably even sold out of some. We won't know until the next quarter, but it, chances are he's taken a fair chunk of that um, that notional amount already. And uh, and he was the golf big short, wasn't he? Yeah, he well, yeah, he was made made famous colloquially by the Big Short movie, but successful investor in his own right even before that. So yeah, and he's had a few predictions, and he's predicting also. He doesn't. I think he's predicting against Bitcoin, isn't he? I think he's. I'm not sure about his crypto predictions, but I know that he's been really vocal lately about inflation. So much so that the SEC stepped in and said to him, "Stop tweeting about inflation." Manipulating the market. Market. Maybe, but maybe creating fear perhaps mm. maybe not trying to manipulate for his own game but maybe it was like creating fear and uncertainty so yeah so he's betting against uh yeah betting against tesla and uh bitcoin we we're just chatting before it's uh shot up to i think in the seventy thousands us for a little bit there from memory and then it's uh back down to 30 off the back of a few things and china being one of them saying they're sort of banning the use of uh of bitcoin over overseas in china and it's come tumbling back down again, but it's hit about 30,000. I think it's up to about 38 at the moment. So it's had a little bit of a recovery. Yeah. So interesting one. Was it? I know that we touched on this a little while ago. Vin, have you heard about the digital yuan? No, no, no. So China's got a bit of a digital currency that they're exploring themselves. So uh, the skeptic in me is like, why are they banning Bitcoin now? It's because they're trying to pump their own one up, but who knows? Yeah. So we'll, we'll continue to uh, touch base on the crypto stuff and we'll endeavor to get on uh, another expert to talk uh, all things crypto in a future podcast to make sure we're giving the tankers and the listeners what they want. That's it. Well, without further ado, do you mind, we'll jump in here. And Vin, can you start by giving us a bit of a background of like how you became an agent and um, maybe just tell us a bit about you know what you're doing currently? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, started off with uh, selling, my, obviously, when I sold my first house, um, looked at the agent that sold my house, was very underwhelmed by their performance, <laughs> and, uh, and and what handed him a big check, and as he drove off in his nice car, I thought that was, didn't look like too hard a job to do, so, uh, so went, went and did the course and started at a big, uh, one of the bigger agencies over in, in Croydon in Melbourne's East, and then moved off to a more boutique one, selling... Uh, higher end properties and acreage and then um, got into opening up my, my own company got my full license and opened up my own company smaller company just by myself and utopian group Uto- uh, with the the uh, franchises eview the eview group and uh, yeah, my, my office is the utopian residential office so. yeah, great have you found uh, sort of getting away from the bigger firms and setting up uh, setting up sort of a, an, uh, an independent type um, agency. Yeah, well, it's a very different setup. Um, it gives me a lot more freedom, though, with um, to to do what I want to do, which is you know just selling the houses and you know not sitting in meetings and <laughs> sitting in your car all day and drinking coffee. I just I just go about selling the houses and. And do you specialise in a certain area, Vin? Or yeah, Mel- Melbourne's east, yeah. so mainly around the usually the Croydon area, but we we spread as far as you know out into the Yarra Valley and into the inner east as well too. Surrey so Hills. Surrey Hills in there and into Brunswick and out to Seville and Launching Place and there you go. everywhere in between. That's sweet. And just, you touched on before, but 
getting the license, does that remain the same? Just in case the tankers are curious, is the process still the same as it used to be? Or uh, process is a little bit different now. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be quite intense. Um, I'm, I'm led to believe. Um, now it's uh, you know 2021 and and so on. I did it in 2018. It's an online course now. You can do it online. Um, they take into a you know prior learning and experience as well too. So you can shorten it down. It used to be a lot more longer course. It'd be two years, I think. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's good, mate. That's good. So, um, and just off the off the bat, mate, uh, you're saying the agent drove away in a nice car. Is it a prerequisite to have a nice car as an agent? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it, it might be a part of the part of the look. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so I couldn't I couldn't just I just couldn't just rock up to an open if I was an agent in my AU uh, Falcon. Well, you, you could, you could, you just might have to do a bit more selling of yourself and uh, and whatnot. But I, I guess uh, it's part of the the uniform, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. suit and the uh, and the uh, the car. But I think hopefully we're drifting away from that and yeah. uh, the ties and things and the. Oh, good mate. Oh, good. Now tell us uh, current market positions at the moment. So let's go firsthand. Uh, firstly, from the seller's point of view. So we're in a. I guess you could say a fairly uh, interesting market, a hot market at the moment. Um, so thoughts on, I guess, yeah, the, the current setup, if you're selling your property and then you've got private sale and auction, um, is there any other ways of selling a property? Are they the two main ways? Yeah, look, yeah, it's a, it's a really hot market, surprisingly, after COVID and lockdown. I'm, I'm shocked by it, that um, how strong it is, but it, but it is. Um, you've got your, priv- your private sale and auction. I always lean towards especially in this climate, a private sale. I'm finding buyers, a, a lot of them are frightened of their borrowing capacity mm. and whether they're going to get their loans approved. Um, so they're more cautious with that. So then with a private sale, gives the, them the option of being able to buy subject to finance and they can take their time to make sure they've got their, their approval there. They're just worried it's not going to get approved. I'm yet to see someone not get their loan approved. But they are more cautious of it. You do see finance extensions because the banks are going a little bit slower. And, and just for the listeners out there, when you buy at auction, the difference with that is yeah, your, so, yeah, sorry, so yeah, uh, auction has to be unconditional. So it's an unconditional sale. You don't, you've got to be yeah, fully approved of your loan. So if your loan doesn't get approved, it's kind of bad luck you, you bought it. So yeah, absolutely. and would you typically see high do auctions? They typically go for a higher price, or do you reckon private sales is comparative? Or oh, I think probably uh, private sales more likely to get a higher price. Really, yeah. that's surprising yeah. to me. I would have thought the other way around. Yeah, I, I see it as in when you go to an auction, you take buyers out of the pool. So oh. you you take buyers who was who are aren't fully approved for their loan out of the competition of bidding, whereas you've only got the unconditional bidders. So more bidders means a higher price. Yeah, so that makes it, sense. It might end up selling unconditionally to the highest bidder, but the second highest bidder might be subject to finance. Um, and recently I've had two sales in the last in this month where the owner has taken a lower price for the sale on the unconditional price and didn't take a higher offer that was subject to finance just for their safety. Just for certainty. But the competition of having both in there made a higher price for them. Does that does that feature a lot with buyers you see Vin? Like, do they do they tend to be you? You were sort of touching on it before, but I guess risk averse. They just want the certainty, and I'm thinking in terms of settlement periods as well as financing. Like, is it something you see a lot of? Yeah, look, it, it you'll get a different with a private sale gives you you get a real mixed bag of buyers. Yeah. So you'll get different settlements. You'll get different um, clauses in there, whether it be subject to their finance being approved. Some will even try subject to their house being sold prior. 
And then you've got your building and pest inspections and getting checks after you've purchased the house. Whereas in auction, if you want to get a building inspection on the house, you've got to do it before the before the auction. And is it um, a thing if you are successful in a private um, sale that uh, as a, let's say a buyer, we're getting, we're jumping on the buyers and we're jumping here, but we'll come back. But um, as a buyer, you can purchase the property and there's a cooling off period in Victoria where you can potentially get a building and pest done pretty quickly after. Little loophole. Yeah, there's a little bit of a loophole there. Some, some buyers try to, uh, try to use. Um, they may buy it unconditionally. And then try and put a, uh, a building inspection in there during that cooling off period um, so they can avoid um, repercussions of that. These are the little tips we want to know for the listeners out there just to, just to help yeah, them out. Not a huge fan of that one. <laughs> sellers, sellers usually don't like it either when they sell their house unconditionally and then the purchaser threatens to cool off if they can't do a building inspection. So they kind of move the goalposts after they get the house. But... Uh, Look at hopefully the houses the houses we're selling aren't going to fall over and they're in good condition. So yeah, that's it. That's it. So yeah, so sellers at the moment. So the the other question I guess we have at the moment, Arnie, do you want to run through the third question there we have for Vinny? Yeah, just tips in getting a house ready for sale. Like what you should be doing if you're the one who's selling it. The costs involved, marketing costs, things like that. Like sure, what? sure. Well, first first thing you always say is you know declutter, declutter, declutter. Just less stuff in the house. People. People get distracted if you've got things in the house rather than looking at the actual house. Um, obviously, then on the other side of that is make the house look as nice as possible. So nice, you know, have your furniture looking nice and neat and tidy so the house looks its best. You know, it's like putting, you know, perfume and makeup on. Mm. So you've got to look, make your house look as pretty as possible. I'm always a big fan of the front of the house. So the front garden, it's the first thing they see. So make the front look pretty. And what about like staging companies? You know, the mobs that come in and sort of, to perform a service. Have you seen much of that? Yes, yeah, yeah, see a lot of it. Um, for a vacant house, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. It's chalk and cheese. Mm, yeah, I've used the staging a few times and it's worked really well. It sort of creates that emotional buy-in, I think, when someone's going through, they can sort of picture how they'd like to set things up or how it would look once it's really well furnished and fully furnished. And um, usually I think staging from memory, Vinny, probably costs between three and five sort of grand, three and six grand, yeah, for, depending on the for, size for of the house. For a normal size house, obviously bigger house is more. Um, most buyers will pick that it's staged furniture because mm. it looks, you know, there's, there's no clothes in the cupboard and, and those kind of things, but it does make the house look nicer. Mm. It feels nicer. I feel like, like you mentioned the cost there. I feel like if you're talking about staging, you're talking about the garden, I feel like any cost associated with that is going to add value anyway. Mm. I'm wondering about the treatment of those costs. If you're looking to buy it as an investment property, at what point can you use those costs as a nexus to deductibility of the, on the investment? Would you have to... Oh, well, the, the person buying essentially could probably only get um, depreciation on the, the building and plant, I'd imagine. But the person that's um, putting it in, if it's an investment, if the person's selling it is, is what maybe you're asking. Yeah. Is they could probably put in, depending on what it falls under, whether it falls under capital or it falls under um, expenditure or, or um, I think it's a revenue account where you, you can claim tax deductions on repairs and things or you, you've got to add it on capital works to your, to your capital gains tax essentially with cost base. Yeah, sorry, I probably, I probably made a meal of that. But if you're a seller and you're incurring these costs on an investment property, 
What account would that be on? Would that be a revenue or capital account? Or we don't know. De- depending, it's going to depend on what you're doing, I think. So, okay. yeah, always seek tax advice whenever you're... Uh... General in nature. <laughs> and I work in tax as well. So yeah, to you your accountant, always <laughs> seek tax advice. But, yeah, generally speaking, if you're going to get some capital work stuff done, we... Uh, you're potentially putting money into the property. It may fall under that, which you'll inevitably minimise a bit more capital gain that way. Um, or it might be a, a revenue fall and it might be a repair or something that falls under that. So, But always speak to your accountant whenever you're getting tax uh, advice. Sorry, been going off on a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, so is there things that you'd err away from putting money into, Vin, that you don't think as a seller is necessary and things that you mentioned that are, that are crucial? Yeah, look, well, you'll get people look at that. They won't like their kitchen or their bathroom, and they'll look at renovating those, which are expensive things to do, like kitchens and bathrooms. Unless it absolutely needs to be done, I highly recommend against it. Mm. Um, they are very personal rooms as well too. So you, you'll spend the money on getting the kitchen all done and the bathroom. The purchases won't like the colour or that. I don't get it back. And get a, you may not get that back, whereas I'm just making the best of what you actually got there with the bones, unless it's not working and it needs to be done what are some things that you would recommend that sellers do um, update to get max value you mentioned front garden 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 looking nice lawn looking nice you know weeding um inside the house paint and carpet yeah paint and carpet the biggest impact because mm. they're the biggest you know items you know you paint see carpet just yeah. size-wise paint and carpet are the, yeah it's the, always always bewilders me i've been through a few opens when i was helping bid for a friend last year at auction and um you go to the open house and the lawns are up to my calves yeah. it's like <laughs> unbelievable you know it's you, you literally got a four-week window where you're selling your property and you, you can't get a bloke in to mow the lawn or something yeah it's not too hard to run the mower over, i don't think and, <laughs> or if, if you struggle if you're struggling with the mower then then, then get get a gardener in. yeah but it could be <laughs> off-putting you know it's like it's just you know keep it up to today when you're selling so that's another thing for sellers you know keep things yeah keep things maintained not brushing your hair before you go on a date. You know, you, 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 got, you got to put on, you know, have a shave, have, brush your hair. and, and Brushing your teeth. And yeah. uh, in terms of costs involved, Vinny, so you, uh, usually with agents, there'll be a commission cost and then there's marketing as a separate cost. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we have your, your marketing and your, obviously our, our commission, um, which is you know, only a sliver. Uh, <laughs> a big picture, a big picture. Compared to, you know, the, the value we had. But, um, yeah, no, your marketing costs. Um, a lot of things I'm trying to, well, leaning away from at the moment is is print and, you know, tactile things, especially in the corona environment. I've gone away from handing out my business card to people because they're a bit shy with, you know, mm-hmm. touching things. And brochures, um, people aren't picking the brochures up, so we're not doing the brochures. They're seeing all the information on the brochure anyway online. Mm. So, and by the time they get the brochure, they're in the property. Mm. And they've usually decided whether they like it or not anyway. And a brochure's not really, mm. you know, in this day and age, you've got your floor plan, your photos, your price, everything online. Interesting. And then even, you know, your big um, for sale boards with photos all over it. Um, take it or leave it, really. Mm. Really? So they're not even putting those up anymore? I'm just putting a standard for sale board up on a lot of properties, just mm. a, a basic one with no photos, um, barely putting brochures in or... Is the is the one the big one for the for the for the photos more for the agency sometimes? Yeah, or? yeah. Well, it does have a big picture of my head on it and my, my company logo. So yeah, sometimes they can lean towards that. But the one that you do need to spend money on is obviously making the house look good, and uh, you got to have it on the internet. Obviously, sitting up the top, 
and your photos. Your photos have got to be good. Yeah. You can't cheap out on your photos. Dusk photos. Dusk photos. Dusk photos. Good, good photographer at dusk. Yep. Do yeah. you do you sort that out for the sellers, the photographer? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I go there with the photographer, help them pick them out. Aerial shots. Aerial shots. Yeah, on, on an acreage property. Yep. You know, if the if the the block of land's of interest, yeah, yep. we'll, we'll have the you know the measurements of the block of land and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. So. Um, yeah, so don't cheap out on some of those key marketing things such as your website stuff in terms of your realestate.com and your yeah. domain, your primary listing. Yeah. Um, and um, quality photos. Got to be good photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And it's usually there a range for the listeners of what marketing should cost sort of as a baseline and a, and a, and a top end? Well, it, it varies from different areas in Melbourne because especially with realestate.com and, and other websites, they charge you for your area. Ah, so um, the further you go into Melbourne, the dearer it is. The yeah. further you go out, the cheaper it is. So it can vary anywhere from, you know, your marketing costs of 25000 bucks to 2000 bucks. Gotcha. Okay. It's a wide range, isn't it? It is a wide range. But it'll get more expensive with newspapers and yeah. all that kind of hoo-ha. Um, out here in the, in the outer east, you're looking at a marketing campaign around... You know, four thousand dollars would be about the average, I'd imagine. That'd cover everything. Cover everything. You got everything you want. Yeah, cool. All you need. Great. Buyers in the current market. So, how best for buyers in a hot market? I guess we are at the moment. Um, in terms of um, uh, making an offer for a property in a hot market, and then you've obviously got the other side of the coin when it's a bit of a cooler market. So, what's some of the the tips you have at the moment, Vinny, with, with buyers uh, making offers for property. Yeah, well, yeah, like we touched on before, it's tough for buyers at the moment. It's quite competitive. Um, being ready and being quick. Mm. And um, I think I touched on before as well, being if you can get your finance sorted before you start making offers on properties and be confident that you can go unconditional with your finance, um, much stronger. So your offer is always going to be seen as being more favourable if there's no risk to the seller of you know your finance not being approved. Um, then the other one is, you know, will you want to check the property out, get a building and pest inspection for a private sale? You can buy it and get that afterwards. Um, but some savvy buyers are bringing builder friends through or, you know, you see the dad who's a builder come through with them <laughs> and, you know, he crawls under the house at the open for inspection and gets under there and has, has a good look. Um, <laughs> no one will turn you off a house quicker than a dad that doesn't like it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, get them in and get that checked out beforehand. And get the dad on the side. Get, get, get your dad or your builder, mate. You know, if it's dad, get him in there for free. But if it's a mate, you know, pay him a little bit and get him there first and then, uh, then you can go in unconditional. If it's an auction... How do you go about organising that then? Yeah, yeah. So you can get your, get your building inspection before the auction. Um, sometimes the the sellers will provide a building inspection. Um, they'll get one done themselves. Yeah. So that's there for for buyers to see. Um, some buyers want to get their own builder to look at it. So yeah. just negotiate with the seller at that point. Negotiate with it. Well, they'll they'll show you their building inspection they got. Um, you may want your own builder to look at certain things that you know concern you or whatnot. And any tips from the buyers out there if they're going to auction? Let's say they've got their finance ready and they know their their levels. What's some of the things that you, you you'd give them tips in terms of bidding philosophy or yeah. being you know confident or not sort of showing a poker face? What what's yeah. sort of some of the tips and tricks you'd say going to auction as a buyer? Well, you hear buyers always saying they're frightened of auctions. Oh, I'm scared of it. It's going to go over the top. I think it's the best thing that can happen in the world for a buyer going on auction. It's 
it's just I reckon it's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go to other agents' um, auctions with my with friends of mine and help them bid. It's a heap of fun. Yeah. It's not my money, so it's a bit more. <laughs> but it's someone else's money. It's not as stressful. Yeah. But you can see the other bidders, and you can pick up on their body language, and you can see the agents body language and you know the owners are inside stressed out oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you've got it all there in front of you so it's all it's all there to read the play um obviously you see if anyone else is bidding you know i'll always sit on my hands and see if someone else bids okay if no one else bids then you go oh happy days you've got no competition mm. if someone else bids i'll always suggest to slow the bidding down like slow it down so it's a it's a psychological game and auction for everyone involved yeah. so it's a psychological game with yourself bidding the other bidders. So you, yeah. you don't necessarily mean by numbers, you mean by just taking your time to, to give the next bid. Yeah, well, that too. So drag your feet bidding, yeah. but lower the numbers. Gotcha, yeah. Lower the numbers. numbers. Yeah. So, you know, if it's going up in hundreds, you know, in 50s and 10s, bring it down to ones as quick as possible. And agents hate that. And, and it's horrible. <laughs> when you're standing there calling an auction and you're trying to you're trying to think of, you know, these numbers and someone's throwing you 150 bucks. <laughs> It's a, it's a nightmare to yell it out, you know, five times in a row. That's why you have the person next to you writing it down so you don't fumble the words. Um, and it's stressful there. And, um, you know, the the owners are, you know, inside looking through the window at you. So as an agent, it's stressful as well too. Yeah. So use that to your advantage as a buyer. Stress the agent out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great tip. I love that So, one. yeah, no, make them sweat. And if it, I remember you telling me a good one. If it passes in and you're the top bidder, you've got right of, of being able to negotiate. Yeah. 100%. And you take your time there too. 100%. 100%. I helped a, uh, a good client of mine buy a house a few years ago. And, um, yeah, we, we, we took the last bid. He didn't bid the whole thing. And then he waited till they were passing in. He put in a bid of $1,000. And then we stood there and waited. And so he got the, the right to negotiate with the vendor, you know, on his own. So, and while he negotiated with them, we did that slowly as well too. So we did $1,000 at a time. So after a couple of times of that, everyone else had left. They'd all gone home. They got yep. bored. Yep. So he had the whole thing to himself. So the owners are inside. There's no one else. Agents, just, agents want to move on to the next uh, next, next auction. Agent, agents got another open for inspection <laughs> they've got to get to. Um, they're also hoping to get paid too. So, uh, yeah, they're wanting to get a deal done. And the owners are unhappy with them because they told them the house was going to sell. Yeah. So you're standing at there cool as a, looking cool as a cucumber in the driveway. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're in the driver's seat as, yeah. a, as the buyer. So. It's obviously a tough market anyway at the moment because it's quite hot. So, you know, the chances of there not being a bid is probably less at the moment. You're sort of, you know, you're going into auction. It's pretty, it seems to be pretty jam-packed at the moment. Yeah, there's still a few that, that are passing in. Yeah. Um, so you've still got that that option there. But look, at a lot of the, you know, the, the, the good properties and whatnot, they'll still fly out the door. Oh, yeah. mate, anecdotally, my wife and I had a look at one like a couple of weeks ago. It had only been up for a week. And when we made the call to the, like, the uh, real estate agent, it was already sold under offer. So... Yeah. Flying out. You're going to move an island dog. Yeah, oh, we're having to think about maybe getting a second property. Oh, look okay. To either move or as an investment. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, but the one that we had our had our eyes on just was like oh. snapped up, mate. Oh. So, Got to be quick, quick or the dead, mate. Yeah. 11 offers on Monday after the first open for inspection isn't unusual at the moment. Really? That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not unusual at all. Uh, so, anything else you think? We sort of, we, I did want to ask you a bit more about, I guess, the building and pest inspection, but I reckon you've sort of covered that. But is there any other kind of inspection, Vin, apart from those that you recommend buyers have like, a look at? Or? Yeah, well, they're, they're important too. You want to make sure, you know, you're not buying a turkey. You want to make sure the house is, is solid. You know, things you can't, the cosmetic things you can't see. 
you know, like I, I touched on sending Dad under the house, you know, <laughs> to, to check the stumps and all that because I'll tell you right now, no agent's going to crawl under there in the dust and have a look at it. Um, the other one, other one I always think of is uh, if there's been any works done to the house, whether it's got permits. Oh. And, and a big one with that is sometimes a back deck. Yeah. You know, they'll get a, a maid will put a back deck on or they'll put a back deck on himself without a permit. And so, what can that do to a buyer? Well, if it hasn't got a permit, again, you know, the council can come around and make you tear it down. So mm-hmm. you bought a house with, with something that hasn't got a permit on it. So if there is a new-ish looking deck on the at the back of it, if it's only, you know, if it looks at less than seven or ten years old, I'd check if it's got permits. And that'll be in the 32? Well, it, sh- it should be, 32. but sometimes sometimes it's not. Okay. So ring council and, and ring it directly and see if it does have a permit for yeah. it. Let's just say it's not. Is there like a statute limitations on that? Like, like, or is it just you're always in danger if it's not on the? Well, it should. I think it's a seven years. Okay. Seven years in in this in well, most of the councils around here might it'll change from you know from shire to shire, but there's usually seven years. If it's over seven years old, you know, if the deck was put on in 1942, then what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Want to, if you want to clear out a few buyers at an auction, maybe throw out the old as the deck got a permit question. <laughs> Yeah, that's always a classic amongst the buyers, or is that asbestos? So they like to yell that one out. And, and usually the agent running the auction will generally just ignore you and move on. <laughs> Can't hear you, mate. Sorry. They, t- they tend sometimes not to see that one. They'll see the bids, but they may not see or hear that one. <laughs> Selective vision. Selective vision. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, oh, that's great. No, it's a, it was a great, um, I guess, round uh, round off in terms of the whole real estate thing. We've got a Q&A from one of our listeners as well, which we might get to. Do you want to go to Q&A now? Well, well, before we do, let's just throw to Vin in case we've missed anything yeah, that's yeah. crucial. Anything yeah. crucial that you can think of that we might have missed, Vin? Yeah, look, look, I think if it, with it is a hot market at the moment, and we're getting a lot of buyers missing out on properties. So um, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's getting a lot of offers on properties from hot buyers. Mm. Um, the other thing is if you stay in touch with, I know what they want to buy because I know the properties they've bid on. But people who haven't bid on properties with me or another agent let every agent in town know what you want to buy because I know stuff that's going to come on next week yeah. and next month. Well, that was and, my next question. And, You've already ruined my Q&A. Oh, <laughs> so the question is from Sam, who's an avid listener of uh, Money in the Tank. Sammy, an uh, ex-teammate of mine and loves Rufkin's Rules, his favourite segment. He was devastated when we removed it there that one week, but he's glad it's back. It wasn't me, Sam. Uh, <laughs> So the Q&A from Sammy is, um, is that agent specific? So is any tips when liaising or dealing with agents, both uh, buying and selling, um, building relationships, what to look for, et cetera? So expand on that a little bit more, Vin, as you mentioned, with your off-market stuff or things that are coming on. Yeah, of course. Look, if you're looking for something specific or you are, you know, you genuinely you know, need to buy something, tell everyone because we do know stuff that's coming on and we know who's thinking of selling who's going to be selling and who, who possibly might be, and you might describe their house to us. And if you tell us, you know, homes you put bids on, we can go, oh, I didn't really think you'd like something like that, but I do know someone else who's selling something just like that in about two months, and it gets sold off market. No one else knows about it. Really? So before it even makes it to the website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it happens a lot. And do you, do you work with, like, investors? Like, do you have relationships, like, that you always go back to, or do yeah. they come back to you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of developers will, will come and you know they'll they'll buy a development site, sell them, and they'll, they'll be back again. So if it's a development site, you call the developers. If it's an you know, investment property, you'll you know if it's a good good rent return, you'll call the investors and, and those guys that keep keep coming back and 
and that you see regularly, and we call you know open for inspection junkies. <laughs> you know, they, they come around and you get some some impulse buy them and, and all sorts of things. So the more we know you want to buy, the more we can marry you up with the house you want to buy. Mm, interesting. Great right. tips. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah. cheers, Vin. Well, we, yeah, so we, we, we've already smashed through one Q&A. Maybe we can go to the next one, which is off topic, uh, real estate-wise, but topical in terms of timing. So we had one from Katie, which was, is it still worth buying GameStop? Um, and this is actually prompted because she saw a post on Reddit where someone had, you know, put their entire savings into GameStop. So... Do you have any thoughts on... Do you want me to tell you what the price of GameStop is currently, Jolly, before... Tell us the price, mate, because I haven't been following GameStop, so I probably don't have too much to add, so it might be your uh, your little section here, aren't Yeah, I can talk about it, but I'll, I'm interested to tell you guys the price anyway. So the current price of one GameStop share is $233.99 USD. What did it get to? It got... I think at max it got to 480 Yep. Um, but you know, going back to before the whole saga with uh, deep effing value, it was trading at like four dollars a share at one point. So, so it's had a decent run, fair to say. Oh, it's had an incredible run, mate. So yeah, GameStop. So uh, do you have thoughts on it before I give my thoughts on? Is it still worth investing in GameStop? Uh, uh, general in nature. General in nature. I yeah. I I, uh, I wouldn't give. Uh, I guess my thoughts on a specific like that because I just don't have enough understanding of the underlying investment or the stock itself or the, the company itself so um, I might uh, handle that across to yourself I know because you've probably been following a little bit more than I have I've been following it and generally in nature again I feel like this is such a hard thing to ask because you you know Jolly that I like to invest on fundamentals yeah. and by any measure GameStop is really overvalued like really overvalued it's like it's ridiculously overvalued, but there's a saying, you know, in, in, in investing in equities, which is you don't bet against the trends or don't bet against the, uh, the sentiment or the momentum. And there's just so much sentiment and momentum behind this stock. It just sees regular wild swings. Like I think on, I think, I think maybe last trading session, it was up 15% mm. in one day, which is massive at the numbers it's already at so it's nothing to do with fundamentals just momentum it's got nothing to do with fundamentals and it's i guess it's like there's a whole movement in in reddit still driving this stock up so to answer the question is it still worth investing you'd have to go and do your own research and just check on the sentiment but for me it's a no i would not be investing in gamestop at the moment unless you had a bit of cash you wanted to uh put in there and think that you as Vinny was saying before you're flushing it down the toilet if it goes up great if it if you lose half of it yeah I mean, if you want, yeah, as a punt, yeah. It's speculation. If, if you want to specy on it, like, sure, but like, is it a good investment? I don't think so. What do you think, Vin? Do you... A wise man once said to me, "What goes down must go up." Oh, it's four eighty. It's down to two thirty now. It's going to be coming back, doesn't it, mate? It's half price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, so that was the other one, but interesting one, and I'm still following it because it's just what a crazy story GameStop is. Keep us updated, mate. Yeah. Oh well, one one interesting thing that they did during the week is they're setting up a, a non fungible token platform nice. so it's it's not fully constructed yet but you'll be able to buy nfts presumably to do in the gaming space and yeah tokens tying back to crypto again interesting on on the ethereum chain so yeah it's a yeah we need, we need to get someone on to talk about that but interesting space we'll definitely keep an eye on it we'll keep the tankers up to date with all that sort of area so um keep a keep an eye out for further uh, further podcasts coming up 
Um, so now on to our uh, other favourite segment of the week, which is our uh, 50-50, this or that, as uh, Bud uh, Brennan mentioned last week for us. Either or. Either or. What's your choice? And what's your choice? So we've got a few <laughs> names there, so... Maybe Vin has another name you'd like to throw in there as well, Vin? Yeah, no, you've got them all covered. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this 50-50 this week uh, came in, and, and please, our listeners and tankers out there, we love hearing from you. We love all the questions that you, you bring to us each week, whether it be from a Q&A uh, type of thing, whether it's financial related or uh, 50-50 this or that related, which could be life choices, because we talk all things investments, we talk all things life choices, because... Choosing different investments is different choices. So uh, this week's question is from our avid listener, Kenny, who's loving the podcast at the moment and uh, and loves listening to it when he's rolling around for work. So he uh, he's in the coffee space. So he wanted to know our thoughts between, if you had your choice, cappuccino or latte? Oh, I love this one. Can I go first? You can go first, mate. Absolutely. Latte all day. For me. And expand, please. I used to... My first job out of high school was barista. So I uh, I learned how to froth the milk. Yeah, and right. Give him a shout out. Yeah, well, well it was Paperbark Cafe, which is part of Karanganev Nursery. Uh, York Road, Mount Everyone. I think it's still there. Still open? Yeah, I haven't been in for a coffee for a while, but bloody hell, it was good when I used to make it. So <laughs> um, when you split the milk in, 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 in a steaming jug, it's like the shit milk goes to the bottom the best milk's in the middle, which is the milk you pour with a latte, and then the foam goes on top, and foam's just foam. So, latte all day. Vinny? I wholeheartedly disagree there. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I've good. done the barista course to myself, so I like to think of myself as a uh, any-to-city coffee sipper. Barista <laughs> <laughs> uh, expert. And, and I'll, I'll go the cappuccino. cappuccino Expand. Tell cappuccino. us why. Uh, it's the quantity of milk. Quantity okay. of milk. So, the cappuccino, you get the extra froth. Yep. You got less milk, you know, less watered down coffee. Okay. So you, like, you like a stronger coffee. I like a stronger coffee. So yeah, right. your coffee's stronger by having less milk. I like so, it. I like it. So, and also good, good keeping the uh, the figure good too. So you know. Okay, we'll, we'll break up the tie here. Yeah. So the uh, Joel Joel's choice this week, referring to myself in third person, if you don't mind. <laughs> Did the barista course myself back in the day oh, at, the old, at the old Croydon Private yeah. Golf Club. No, <laughs> no longer there. Nothing to do with me. But, uh, it was popular when I was there. Um, so yeah, used to pour a few coffees back in the day, but. Uh, Cappuccino. Really? Cappuccino. Yeah. So cappuccino, uh, a little bit of what Vinny said there. Don't mind a bit of the froth on top. It's a little bit of a treat. But uh, when you've got someone that offers you a little bit of chocolate on top of your uh, coffee, how could you say no to that? Hey, a little bit of an extra added added treat there for yourself. Can if I, someone's can, offering can, to put some nice sprinkle shaved chocolate on there, especially from one of those... You know those delicate chocolate shops where they have the nice shaved t- chocolate? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm sweet enough. That's, uh... well, can we expand on that, on your sweetness? Yes. Are you putting a sugar in your latte? No, I don't. You know what? I was actually going to say, I love coffee in all its forms. Like, I drink black coffee every morning, but I, I love a milky coffee. So, I chose latte, but I'm not opposed to a cappuccino. We're all friends here. It's all yeah. good, boys. <laughs> <laughs> As your wife Katie said, mate, plain savoury vanilla ice cream is just a boring coffee. Are you, tr- are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to say a latte is a boring coffee? Oh, God, I'll never hear the end of it. No, and regular not- milk? I'm always full fat and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah regular. Yeah. yeah, I used to do skinny, but then I got sort of bowled up by some lady, and she said you you can't do skinny milk, so now well, I do full cream. The cafe milk is like even fatter than like the one you can buy in the stores. You know, it's like because it froths better, right? Yeah, yeah better for you. So yeah, the missus likes lattes. So I'll, sh- I'll shout out to Ez there. 
avid listener of the podcast gave me some good feedback before. So, <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to you, Ez. Lattes for you. Almond lattes, Fez. I love it. Oh, well, thanks for coming on the pod, Vin. That was yeah, good. Vinny. No, so, how does uh, how do the tankers uh, get you, mate? How do they find you? How do they uh, look to sell properties through? How do they look to buy through? You? What's the best way to reach you, mate? Oh, obviously online. You go to the our eView website. Uh, look up Utopian Residential. Go through our offices there. You'll see us down there. Unfortunately, down the bottom, alphabetical order. Oh, but, oh, <laughs> no. Scroll on down. You'll see my lovely face down the bottom there. And uh, yeah, gives a call, send us a text, gives and an email. Email for you and, and email for yourself, Finn, or the uh, website. Is yeah, yeah, the emails there. They'll all come through to me. We won't yeah. miss you. Yeah, great. Uh, mention you're a tanker and we'll uh, we'll give you the royal treatment. Oh, we'll we'll yeah. treat you like the uh, intelligent boy you are if you're a tanker listener. Oh, Cheers, mate. <laughs> well, if you want, if you want, Vin, I'll drop your email on the uh, on the Facebook. Oh, yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. more people calling us, the better. Love well, it. And you keep, keep that in mind for when I'm selling something, Vin. Make sure you give me the tanker discount. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, mention the tanker discount, and you get the royal treatment. <laughs> I won't ask what extra that involves, mate. Sounds exciting. There's always a little something extra in the tank. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Perfect, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Arn Dog. Yeah, cheers. And if you want to get at Money in the Tank, it's uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Money in the Tank. Yep. And to our Melbourneian listeners, keep well the next seven days. Get through it. And uh, we'll hopefully be back next week to be able to give you our next updated episode. We're going to keep you guessing. Go Dees. Cheers. Go Dees.